Well, this morning we're continuing our series that we've been in, Growing in Discernment. And I would encourage you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Let me begin this morning by reading our passage for us. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. The Apostle Paul says this, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, The spotless purity of truth must always be at war with the blackness of heresy and lies. Over the past few months, we've been working our way through this series on discernment, which is being able to distinguish between truth and error. It's what discernment is. That we should be those as believers in Christ who are able to distinguish between truth and error. Between truth and lies. As we know, Satan is the father of lies and he is attacking us all the time with lies. Which means we are, as Spurgeon said, at war. We're at war with the heresy and lies of the enemy. And so we must be people of the truth. Paul prays for the Philippian believers that they would grow in love, which is grounded in real knowledge and all discernment. Paul says there, as we read in Philippians 1.10, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. That is his prayer for the believers in Philippi, that you may approve the things that are excellent. As we said, that word approve in the Greek is the word dakamadzo, and it means to make a critical examination of something to determine its genuineness, to put to the test or to examine. And yet there are many people today who are not warring for the truth. They don't examine what they hear. But they believe everything that comes at them. Which then leads them in all kinds of different directions. These are people that we would call gullible. They're gullible people. Paul spoke about them in Ephesians 4.14. He says this, They are children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. To put it plainly, these are very undiscerning people. They're undiscerning people. And our churches today are filled with undiscerning people. People who don't want to do the work of making a critical examination of what they hear to see if it lines up with the Word of God. They aren't at war. They've surrendered. And they'll just take in all of the lies of the enemy. 
They think that because a man who stands up on a stage at a place that is called the church tells them something, then it must be true. And they're lazy and working hard to understand the truth of God's Word. They're the very opposite of the Bereans in Acts 17 who were examining the Scriptures daily to see whether what Paul was preaching was true. You see, God has given us His Word so that you and I can know it. He wants us to know it. He didn't give us 66 books so that we can just set this book, the Bible, on a shelf and have it look good. Collecting dust. He didn't give us this Bible so that we can walk around and hold it in our hands and look like we're a Christian. And He didn't give us His Word so that we can use it as a proof text to try and defend what I want to believe. There are a lot of people who do that and use God's Word in that way today. All it is is a proof text. I've got my own beliefs and now I'm going to go to the Word of God and I'm going to take Scripture out of context to try and prove what it is that I believe. That's not how we use God's Word. And that's not why God gave us His Word. God has given us 66 books in our Bible so that we can know Him and know His truth more. If you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, when we began this series on discernment, we started this series, first of all, by looking at why there is such a lack of discernment in our churches today. There's a great lack of discernment in our churches today. And I gave you seven reasons why. We then looked at some high-level commands in 1 Thessalonians 5 and how God actually commands us to be discerning people. We're commanded by God to be discerning. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, But examine everything carefully. Everything. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And then last time I gave you some practical ways so that you can be a person, a believer, who is growing in discernment. And I gave you three principles. First principle is that you must be humble. In order to be a discerning person, you must first of all be humble. You must humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You must recognize that you don't know it all. And that you can't know the truth by your own strength. But that you must depend upon the Spirit of God in order to be a discerning person. You must humble yourself and not place confidence in yourself or in your own heart because your own heart will lead you astray. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's the heart. 
That's the heart of man. And if you begin to trust in your own heart, then your own heart will deceive you. It'll deceive you. And you will be like children carried about by every wind of doctrine. You hear people say all the time, well, that might be what you believe, but what I believe is... And on and on they go about all the things that they believe. You can believe that, but I'm going to believe this. And if you think about a statement like that, think about how prideful and arrogant that is. It's a prideful statement. It's a very arrogant statement. What is someone saying when they say that? They're saying that their heart is the authority. That might be what you believe, but what I believe, what my authority is, what the authority is, they believe that their heart is the standard of truth. Prideful. Arrogance. It's an arrogant statement. And that's the way many people think today. It's rampant in our culture. But in all reality, listen, it doesn't matter what you might believe. What matters is, what is the truth? That's what we're after. That's what we want to know. What is the truth? Is what you believe true Or is it not? And we as believers should be able to tell people, this is what I believe, not because my heart says so, but because this is what the Word of God says. Because God is the authority in my life. Our standard, our authority is God's Word. And so we must humble ourselves under His Word if we want to grow in discernment. The second principle that I gave you is that you must desire discernment. If you want to be a discerning person, you must desire discernment. Solomon told his son in Proverbs 2, For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You must cry for discernment. Lift your voice for understanding. Seek and search for her. It must be the desire of your heart. But if you don't have that desire, then you'll end up like everyone else who just believes everything that comes at them. You'll be no different than the world. Look, everyone's heart is susceptible to self-deception. Everyone's heart is susceptible to self-deception. Your heart is, and my heart is. And if we just rely on ourselves and our feelings and our emotions, we will become undiscerning people. And so we must desire the truth 
We must desire understanding of God's word. We must desire wisdom. And when we desire those and search after those, then we will find it and we will then be able to become discerning people. It must be a passion of ours. We must be people that have a deep passion for Christ. And because we have a deep passion for Christ, we want to know His Word that He's revealed to us. And as we grow in the truth of His Word, we will then be able to become discerning people. Let me just pause right here for a moment and expand on this. You see, as we desire to grow in discernment, we cannot desire it so that we can puff ourselves up and make us look good. We can't desire it so that we can stick our noses up at others and say, I'm such a great desiring person who knows the word of God. Oh, but look at you. That's not why we desire discernment. We must desire discernment so that we can please Christ. It must be so that we can know Christ better. And we come to know Christ better by knowing His truth. And so we must humble ourselves. And desire to be a discerning person. The third principle that I gave you is that we must pray for discernment. We must pray for discernment. We must rely upon God and trust His Spirit to lead us in the truth. Let me ask you, I asked you last time, when was the last time that you prayed for discernment? Is that a prayer of yours? That you were praying and asking God for discernment in your life? We saw, we saw this in the life of Solomon. He could have asked God for anything he wanted. Anything. God said, ask of me, Solomon. What is it that you want? And what did Solomon pray for? He prayed for a hearing heart so that he could judge God's people and discern between good and evil. That was his prayer. He sought the Lord for discernment, and God granted it to him. Solomon became known as the wisest man to ever live. Because he sought God for it. And so we must be humble. We must desire to be discerning, and we must pray for discernment. Let me give you four more principles. Four more principles. Four more practical ways for you and I to become discerning people. Principle number four is this. We must depend on the Spirit. We must depend on the Spirit. Now this ties in with the previous principle of prayer, but there are some differences in this. Let me explain this to you. If you remember, I told you that all of us as believers have the capability of becoming discerning people. Every one of us does. If you are in Christ, you have everything that you need to become a discerning person. 
We have all that we need to be discerning. What is it that we have? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. This is Jesus in John chapter 14 talking with the disciples at the Last Supper. Jesus is teaching them. This is the 11 that are here because Judas is gone. He's already left the upper room to go and betray Christ. And so Jesus is there with the 11 in the upper room. And notice what he says in John chapter 14 and verse 16. He says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to give them the helper. Who is the helper? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is going to be with them forever. He's with you and He will be with you forever. And notice that at the end of verse 17 there, He says, and He will be in you. What is this talking about? When did this happen? On the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came to them. And the Holy Spirit was in them. But notice how Jesus describes the Spirit there in verse 17. He says that He is the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of truth. Notice that the world doesn't have the Spirit of truth. But we do. We as believers have the Spirit of truth in us. Now turn over to chapter 16. Turn over to chapter 16 and look at verse 13 and what Jesus says there. In verse 13 he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Notice what the Spirit of truth will do. What will He do? He will guide you into all the truth. He'll guide you into the truth. Now, you might be thinking, well, Jesus is talking to the 11 apostles here, so isn't this only for them? Well, John MacArthur says this. This is primary reference to the writers of the New Testament. But... It also extends in a secondary sense to the Holy Spirit's work of illumination. He instructs and teaches believers from the inspired scriptures. And so this is not just for the eleven, but this is also for us as well. That it is the Spirit of God who will guide us in the truth. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. 
Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. That is, those things that are taught by the Holy Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And so, as we depend upon the Spirit of truth, He will guide us into the truth. You and I have the Spirit of God living inside of us. And as we open up the Word of God, and we humble ourselves before God, and we desire to come to know Him more, and know His truth more, as we pray and ask God to open up His Word, the truth of His Word to us, the Spirit will then guide us and lead us in the truth. And as we come to know more of God's truth, because we are depending upon the Spirit of God, He will then make us more discerning. Listen, church, that is how you and I prepare for the war. As Spurgeon said, it's a war. It's a battle. And you and I prepare by going to the truth. To know the truth. To seek out the truth. So that when lies come at us, we can spot them and say, no, away from me, lie. I will have none of you heresy I stand on the truth that's how we battle but we must depend upon the spirit of God as we battle and as we prepare for the battle and so don't depend upon yourself and your own heart but depend upon the spirit of truth who will guide you into the truth and then make you become a more discerning person Principle number five, fifth principle, which ties in with number four. If we want to be more discerning, we must diligently study the scriptures. We must diligently study the scriptures. You see, it is the spirit who guided the authors of scripture to write down what they wrote. The third person of the Trinity the Spirit of God guided these men to write down exactly what it was that God wanted them to write. We see this in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. But know first of all that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The pages of Scripture are inspired by God as men were moved by His Spirit to write down exactly what it was that God wanted them to write down. There is nothing missing in our Bibles. It's all there. Everything that God wanted to reveal to us is all there. And so our job is to know it. To study it. To diligently study the Scriptures. Turn over to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 is Paul talking about Paul who had been run out of Thessalonica by the Jews and then after the Jews had run him out of Thessalonica, he headed over to Berea. When he and Silas arrived in Berea, then they went into the synagogue 
They go into the synagogue of the Jews and they begin preaching the gospel to the Jews. That was their custom. When they went into town, if there was a synagogue there, being Jews, they started with the Jews and went in and preached the gospel to the Jews. Look at Acts 17 and verse 11. It says this, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Notice the key word that's there. Daily. Daily. You see that there? The Bereans were not once a week Bible readers. As Paul was teaching them, most likely daily, in the synagogue, they were daily going to the Scriptures to see if it was so. Notice that word, examining. They were examining the Scriptures in verse 11 there. That is the Greek word, anakrino. And it means to engage in careful study of a question. To examine or to investigate. They were investigators. As the Apostle Paul came into Berea to preach the truth of God's Word, to preach to them the Gospel message, they took everything that Paul was preaching and they went back to the Scriptures. They investigated the Scriptures to see if what Paul was preaching was actually true. Noble-minded Bereans. These Bereans opened up their scroll and they investigated the Scriptures every day. Not the politics of their day. Not the sports section of the paper every day. But the Scriptures daily, investigating, examining. Now, turn over to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. This is Paul's final words to the Ephesian elders. As he calls for the Ephesian elders to come to him. And notice what he says in verse 28. He tells the Ephesian elders, he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Remember that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And notice verse 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Notice what Paul gave them over to or commended them to. In verse 32, he commended them to God and to the word of his grace. It was God's word that would protect them from the lies of the enemy. The enemy was coming in 
And Paul warned them and he says, the enemy is going to come and he's even going to come from your own midst. Wolves are going to rise up from within your own congregation, elders. So how do you guard yourself against those wolves? How do you prepare for the war? What does he give them over to? The Word of God. The Word of God. That will guard you and protect you. Paul knew that these elders needed to be grounded in the Word in order to protect the church. They need to understand the Word. They need to know the Word. They need to have a knowledge of the truth. And this is not true just of elders of a church, but of every believer. Because the wolves are not just after the elders of the church, they're after you as well. And it's the word of God that will guard you against the attacks of the enemy. It's God's word that will guide you into the truth and protect you. And the more that you grow in His Word, the more you will be able to discern the things that are almost true versus the things that are true. You'll be able to discern that which is good from that which is best. MacArthur says discernment flourishes only in an environment of faithful Bible study and teaching. Do you want to become a more discerning person? Study your Bible. Study the Scriptures. Be a diligent student of the Word of God. Handling it accurately as Paul commands Timothy to do. To know the Word and to handle it with accuracy. And the way that you're able to handle it with accuracy is to know it. To study it. To be a student of it. Let me give you a sixth principle. Principle number six, in order to grow in discernment, we must obey the Scriptures. We must obey the Scriptures. Not only do we study the Scriptures to be a discerning person, but we must also obey the Scriptures in order to become discerning. James tells us in James 1.22, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You can be someone who hears the word taught all day long. I can remember as a child when I would come here to Minnesota to visit my grandparents, all that they had on all day long was the Christian TV and some Christian radio station. All over the house, anywhere you went. You just heard Bible teaching. Teaching after teaching after teaching. But listen, that is not enough. That is not enough. We must also do what God tells us to do. 
That's what James is saying. Prove yourselves to be doers of the word, not merely hearers. Yes, you must hear. You must learn. You must listen to the truth of God's word. But you must take that truth and apply it to your life and live it out. Be obedient to God's word. You see, a person who claims to have a great knowledge of the Bible and yet doesn't do what it says is a foolish person. Not a discerning person. And they might think, well, I am very discerning. Look at all that I know. Yeah, you do know a lot. Which means you're responsible for everything that you know. But are you living it out? Are you doing it? One commentator says, a fool is anyone who does not follow the warnings and commands of God. He does not desire to avoid sin. That's the fool. And in fact, although we can say that Solomon was known as the wisest man to ever live, he was a great failure because he didn't live up to the wisdom that he had. He didn't live up to the knowledge and understanding and discernment that was given to him. In fact, turn turn over in your Bibles to 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11. First Kings chapter 11. This is the account of what Solomon does. After being given wisdom and knowledge and discernment, after being granted a, a hearing heart. Look at what happens to Solomon. First Kings 11, beginning in verse 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. Verse 3, he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Then Solomon built the high place of Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem. And for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. And notice this in verse 9. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. 
Solomon, known as the wisest man to ever live, did not observe what the Lord had commanded him. And if we were to go back to chapter 3, you would begin to see that even before Solomon's prayer there, asking God for discernment, it says in verse 1, Then Solomon formed a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Already, he had compromised. He had compromised what God had told him. You shall have no foreign wives. Solomon did not observe what the Lord commanded him. One commentator says God gifted him with unsurpassed wisdom, which Solomon squandered by disobeying God's commandments. He squandered it. Listen, you cannot have true discernment apart from faithful obedience. They go hand in hand. You see, the goal in Bible study is not just so you can gain some great knowledge that you're not going to use. The goal in Bible study is to gain knowledge so that you can use it and grow in holiness and Christ-likeness. Sanctification, that's what we're after. That's the ultimate goal. And that's what a discerning person does. And that's why James says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves or deceive themselves. That's what that word delude there means, to deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourselves. A person who fails to obey the truth they have been given proves themselves to be lacking in discernment. So to be a discerning person, you must not only know the Scriptures, but you must also obey the Scriptures. Principle number seven. Seventh principle. In order to become a discerning person, you must learn from discerning believers. Learn from discerning believers. If you want to grow in discernment, learn from those who are more mature than you are. Who have more knowledge than you do. Learn from them. Learn from those who show themselves to be discerning believers. One of the ways that you can do this is to learn from those who have gone before us. Learn from people who have gone before us. These are the guys we call the dead guys. Learn from them. God gave them great discernment. He raised up great men and women in the past who were very discerning believers and we should learn from them. And we can also learn from those whom God has placed in our lives today. In fact, turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Paul, in writing 1 Corinthians, is writing to a very immature church. This was a worldly church. A church that was unwilling to divorce themselves from the culture around them. They had a great lack of discernment and they needed someone to model discernment for them. So look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. He says, therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now you might look at this in verse 16 and you might say, how arrogant of Paul to say this. Are you going to walk up to another believer and say, be an imitator of me? (laughs) Paul did. But this wasn't arrogance. This wasn't arrogance. He knew that they needed someone to follow. He loved them and he cared for them and he desired for them to grow. And he knew that they needed a spiritual father to follow after. In fact, that's what he even says in verse 15. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. He says, I'm your spiritual father and you're my children. I love you. Imitate me. Fathers, parents, you would hopefully say that to your own children. As you're training them up, raising them, imitate me. I'll show you the way. That's what Paul is doing here. He wanted to model for them what it means to live as a Christian. And Paul knew that this church needed someone to model discerning because he modeled discernment after Paul. And who was that? It was Timothy. Timothy. Notice in verse 17, Paul sends Timothy to them. Because he knew that Timothy was so well trained in discernment and truth that he was going to model exactly what he had learned from his father, the Apostle Paul. Listen, find people in your life who are discerning believers and follow them. Learn from them. Watch them and see how they live their lives. Because there's a lot that you can learn from those who are more discerning than you are. In closing, we've just learned how we can become a more discerning believer humble ourselves, desire discernment, to pray, depend on the Spirit, diligently study the Scriptures, obey the Scriptures, and learn from discerning believers. But why is this so important for us as believers? Why is this so important? Why is it so important for us to be discerning and to know the truth? Well, let me give you three quick reasons why this is so important. 
three reasons why the truth is so important for us as believers. Number one, because we are saved by the truth. Because we're saved by the truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the truth. And no one can be saved apart from him. No one can. It's impossible to be saved apart from Christ, who is the truth. No one can get to heaven by their own efforts, by your own good works, or even by your own beliefs or your own thinking. There's a lot of people who even think that because they have some kind of belief system that they've come up with in their own heart, that that's going to lead them to heaven. It doesn't. It's faith in Christ alone. And the one who said, I am the way, one way, the truth, one truth, and the life, one life. It's found in Christ. And all who repent of their sin and place their faith in Him alone for salvation will be saved. And listen, this is the truth that you and I heard when we got saved, right? We heard the truth of the gospel. That's what saved us. Hearing this truth. The truth is important. And it's important because we're saved by the truth. Number two, the truth is important because we're sanctified by the truth. Not only are we saved by the truth, but we're also sanctified by the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, he prayed to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The only way that you and I are going to grow as believers is by the truth. We can't grow by the world's wisdom or by politics or by the latest cultural fad. That's not how we grow. We're sanctified by the truth. So if we want to grow, we must become discerning and search out the truth. And finally, number three, the truth is important because we worship God in the truth. We worship God in the truth. Jesus said in John 4, 23, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. True worship is grounded in and stems from the truth of God's word. We can't decide for ourselves how God wants to be worshipped and then call it worship. That's not worship. And there are many people today who think that they can worship God the way that they want to worship God. And they'll come up with all kinds of different ideas of how they think God wants to be worshipped. No, what does God say in His Word? What does the truth say about how He wants to be worshipped? That's how we must worship Him. And when we do it according to the truth, that then is true worship. Think about Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10. 
These guys were the sons of Aaron the priest, and they offered strange fire to the Lord, which the Lord had not commanded. And what did God do to Nadab and Abihu? He killed them. Is God serious about worship? He is. And he says in order for us to worship him, we must worship him according to the truth. True worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. Listen church, truth matters. The truth is important. And the truth is found in God's word. And Paul's prayer for the Philippian believers is that they would grow in the truth, that they would grow in discernment, that they would approve the things that are excellent. And that is my prayer for you as well. That we all would be those who are growing in the truth, that we would grow in discernment, that we would be a church who seeks and desires the truth so that we might live it out for His glory and to be able to worship Him in truth. Let's pray. Father, this is such an important message for our day. we can see that there are lies all around us. Lies that have even crept into the church that many are believing. Oh Lord, I pray that you would guard us and protect us against the lies of the enemy. Father, we know that it is a war It's a war for the truth. And yet, Lord, you've given us your word that is the truth. You're a God who cannot lie. It's impossible for you to lie. And so, Lord, we know and we are confident that every word that you give us in the scriptures is true. Father, give us a desire to know it. And we pray that you would guard and protect our church from the lies of the enemy. We pray that you would guard and protect us against wolves who may even arise from within. Lord, may we be people who stand on the truth of your word. We thank you for the truth of the gospel that has set us free. It is the truth of the gospel that we have heard that we must repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins so that we may be granted the free gift of eternal life. Lord, you've done that in our hearts because we heard the truth. Father, help us to be discerning people and live it out, not so that we can be puffed up in knowledge, but so that we can serve you out of a heart of love so that you can receive all of the glory and honor that you alone deserve. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.